Hello, Steve. Hello, Dan. It's nice to not be in a car with you. <laughs> I know. That was a long trip. I was. I got home at 12.30 in the morning. Yeah, I'm glad you got home at all. Yeah, me too. Same same there. And uh, we didn't make any wrong turns or anything. But let's get out of this travel mode and go into moving forward mode. And we, we have a sponsor for this show, actually. It's it's Dulcimer School. I don't think last time when we said it, we said dulcimerschool.com. Right. <laughs> so they probably thought it was like a... You know, like a maybe a a college. <laughs> you can't trust those guys. Are not good marketers. You emailed me or texted me and uh, being something today that I thought was kind of funny about not being a good marketer. What was that? You I, were listening to a podcast. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, and you said something about me. I think that was you who sent it. Said I was listening to a podcast and it said, if you if you have your promotional package all together a nice pretty promotional package oh, that's right that uh then it probably means you're not working <laughs> yeah but that's kind of funny well what i guess that means is at some point you start getting hired for stuff and hopefully that 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 begins a trend and then all of a sudden you find yourself 10 20 years down the road without an up-to-date press pack and i used to work at a a music archive, and they collected in one of the file cabinets press packs um, any artist, basically. But, you know, usually in Nashville, you would get prominent artists. Full-color folder on the inside of CD, on the top of the CD, which tracks, you know, to listen to if you only have two minutes. Uh, photograph inside, black and white, lighter color, uh, the bio... Um, all, just a whole packet full of stuff, you know. I don't have anything like that. I have my website, um, but I'm, I just I just got hired to play in Orlando with an orchestra, and they wanted all this stuff from me, and uh, it's all the same stuff people always want. And I always feel like, oh yeah, I got to get my press pack together. So th it was funny, and actually that was a comedian saying that, uh, and he was. He was just talking about, you know, the guys that have the nicest press packs seem to work the least. Maybe <laughs> they have a little more time to put it together. Sometimes, oh, I don't want to be this guy, but sometimes the most creative people aren't always the most organized. Well, I think it, it was probably not anybody who would argue with that. But when you come across a creative person who is organized, I think that's a powerful person. That's the best. Like, I, I've been uh, checking out um, Seinfeld, and he would write every day for a certain amount of time, and he was on top of things, you know? That's, that's something to aspire to. Of course. I mean, it, I don't want... Eh, it sounds like I'm about to throw up. I don't want to get too personal about this. Because I don't want you to throw is, up. <laughs> I shouldn't even. I shouldn't have never. I should have never said throw up. My mouth isn't working today. That's amazing. Really, I don't. Uh, I have ideas all the time. I think I am a creative person, and there's nothing I can do to turn that off. And on a given day, I'll have you know, <laughs> who knows, multiple things that will make me excited, and I'll think that's a great idea, and that's funny as you look back at those if they were all great ideas you probably would have done some of them and i, I guess i have done some of them well but 
There's, I, I think there's more stuff that excites us than we can actually do. I guess is what I'm getting right, at. Right, and that's okay. That's good. Probably you you can drop the weaker st- things or the things you're not best at or whatever. I don't know, but it seems to me going with the, both you and I are students of David Allen, the getting things done guy of his system, and. Seems like you ought to be writing those down. If they have a chance at coming to fruition, they have to be written down as those ideas pop in. And I try that. And sometimes I'm generally when I'm getting a lot done and almost all the good things that I've gotten done are things that I at some point wrote down and then it came up again and I was able to find what I wrote down. I use, can we talk for just a minute about what sorts of tools we use for that? I think that's a good idea. I was right before we started this, I thought, as soon as I get done recording the podcast with Dan, you know, I'm feeling anxious about all the stuff I got to do. I'm going to definitely get my head in my system and make sure that I figure out what I need to do today. I don't, I don't want to just do whatever pops into my head. That doesn't seem to work. <clears throat> so in the GTD, the David Allen system, there's this, there's this runway level. He, he defines all of this stuff like you're in a plane and we're not going to teach a GTD course or I'm not going to, I think you don't want to either. But, you know, that, that thing when you're like down on the ground doing the things you have to do in order to fly, you know, in order to get the thing off the ground. I do that with software called OmniFocus. And I've been an OmniFocus user for a long time. And prior to that, I used the Franklin Covey system. And I'm sure a lot of people who've been around for a while relate back to that as well. So that's my immediate thing. But that's not for everything. I mean, you have all these ideas. And you, if I think if I, if I wrote down every thought that came to my mind, all I would do is write all day long. Well, let me just... You know, I don't think anybody Let me do say that. this quickly because I think it's simple enough. Um, I have a to-do list. And the stuff I don't want on my to-do list is like what you were talking about, good ideas. So I have, I use Evernote. It's basically just, it's a place for me to, to, uh, to type and to be able to search what I've typed before and all these little notes. So I actually do have a list of uh, new product ideas. So if I get a new product idea, it doesn't go on my to-do list. It goes on my new product idea list. What I'm not so good at is... You know, I should every month or so review that list and see if anything needs to be deleted or added to the to-do list or something like that. But I love having lists like that. There's a, um, if if I clutter up my to-do list with all these ideas, that just reminds me of a million things I'm not doing. Right. And you could do all of that within Evernote and some people do all that in there. Or some people do all of it within OmniFocus. I don't remember who it was who turned the other person onto Evernote, but you, you'll probably remember I was, I was like, Evernote was every other word I said there for a while. And then I got into trying to manage a really massive project, trying to manage the whole thing in Evernote. I was getting it all in here. It was great. And that particular project completely destroyed my love for Evernote. I was trying at the time to... Uh, because we have all the Dulcimer Players News magazines going back to 1975, we've had them scanned and then gone through and fixed the scans and cleaned them up and have all the photos for it and all this stuff. And I want to make them all be available again somehow through the DP News website. So I thought I could manage that in there. But it put it ended up putting so much stuff in Evernote, I can't find anything in there right, now. Right, so I use it because for two things. 
I just use it as if it was a piece of paper sitting around where I need to temporarily take down something. And then I, I use it for lists, a uh, list of books that I need to read, list of podcasts I want to listen to, uh, list, you know, just lists. So I pretty much yeah. use it as a scratch pad and a place to collect lists. That's interesting. I keep those lists in OmniFocus. My overriding software that I use, it's just for my big projects, is called The Brain. And that's something that I've used off and on, but I've been heavily into for quite a while now. Uh, and it's free if anybody wants to check it out at thebrain.com. It's pretty amazing stuff. It's kind of like mind mapping, but it's all these interconnected thoughts. And it's real kludgy looking, I think. It's kind of cool looking, but then you think, oh, it's too geeky. But uh, anyway, well, just check it out. The brain. If I was, if I was gonna like anybody that knows me well, does not want advice from me on how to maybe get things done and be organized. But if I was gonna do my best to give somebody advice, I'd say get a simple to-do list app or a notebook, an actual piece of paper, and mm -hmm. then secondarily have a place for your lists. And the main idea that you and I have tried to embrace is. You make these lists, but if you don't review them daily, weekly, monthly, uh, they don't do much good. But what I love about it is if somebody says, hey, I need you to do such and such, I'm just going to forget it. So there's a quick way for me to get that down. And the hope of reviewing that, of course, is that you know if you have a discipline of reviewing, it will come up. You're not going to miss something. Hmm. <clears throat> and there's... So I, I wish I remember who it was. It might have been Michael Allen, but it was someone who came by my booth at the Fun Fest at Everett. And we were talking about something that we were going to do that was a business matter. Michael Allen, he pulled the, a piece the of, dulc, hammer dulcimer builder. Hammer dulcimer builder, yeah. He pulled a piece of paper out of his pocket and on, that had been folded about eight times, and he unfolded it. And he said, hey, this is important. I really need to capture this. And he unfolded this thing. It was written in multiple directions and wrote it on there. And I kind of laughed, and I said, so is that your thing? He said, oh, yeah. He said, this is my command center. It's in my pocket all the time. Yeah, I've read about a way and, of folding a piece of paper so that it's, you know, there's different squares all over because of the folds, and there's something. Yeah, know, and that's what he yeah. had. But there was something a bit powerful about seeing him do that because I felt like, wow, this is, this is really a commitment because he's putting it on that piece of paper, and I'm watching him. And he has that piece of paper in his pocket all the time. And I want to juxtapose that with all these electronic devices that you and I have surrounded ourselves with. <clears throat> I have one on my wrist, and I'm, I've fallen off the wagon just a little bit on this uh, software I use called Lose It, uh, which is just for weight tracking, basically, and tracking your meals. Oh. And it's... So it warns me or it prods me by tapping my wrist that I should be putting these, uh, logging my calories from breakfast or from lunch, or I haven't stood up in long enough time. And at first, the first couple of weeks I used it when I was doing great, I was, I was like, oh, it just tapped my wrist. I look at it. Yeah, I got to put those calories in there. Yeah, and now I'm so you're used into to it. the tapping. You probably ignore no, it. No, I'm ignoring it, but it's making me ignore other important things that the silly device is trying to tell me. That's a danger. Oh, you don't even want to look at it at all now. That's right. I almost missed coming in to record this podcast with you because I was working on something. I was really into it. And Angie said, hey, aren't you supposed to go do a recording with Steve at 2? And I was like, oh. Um, so anyway, I've either got to use my software or ignore it completely. You've either got to be all, all in or not. Well, it's <laughs> what we do. You have to be so fragmented. 
um, there's the booking of gigs and every, you know, first of all, there's people I call, I try to create a, a job or they call me or email or Facebook me and then I've got to get back with them and there's a back and forth and they want a press pack. They, they, you know, it's, it's a whole lot of stuff. That's a big hat and that's only one hat. I'm supposed to be coming up with new material. Um, I think that there's collaborations that I have started and they have just kind of, they're on hold. There's, there's, I have, I have three new books right now that are 98% done or better. And they've been like that for a year and a half. Um, there's, there's, that I'm supposed to record a CD and these are things I enjoy doing, but each one of them, if you were, if I was a bigger artist, I would have a team of people helping, um, because there's not many people that can do all of that, you know, but I guess the reason we're talking about all this, you know, all these methods of keeping track of things is we're, we're fighting we're fighting to try to uh, to seize the moment and and get stuff done, get the right thing done, spend the right amount of time on the right stuff in the right order. It's crazy. Yeah, it's. I think we would both say that, but also realizing we, when when we have work, we have the best job on the planet. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a friend who just started a new business and the income that's coming in from this, he's is allowing him to quickly hire helpers and, you know, and to farm out certain jobs. I've done that to an extent. I have an agent for the orchestras, but I don't have an agent for festivals and clubs. You know, I've got a fulfillment company that you hooked me up with and they, when, when orders come into the website, they just send stuff out. If I need books at a gig, they'll ship it to the gig. That stuff's huge, you know. I just got um, an email to, well, I got a Facebook message today. I'm glad I was checking. <laughs> and they want me to come to Oregon to, to play with an orchestra out there. It was so nice to just tell the guy, you know, I look forward to meeting you. I'm really excited about this. I'm going to put you in contact with my agent. And, and Brian will take care of all that stuff. I, you know, if it's some of these things, some of the things I should have done years ago and I didn't know better. And then when I knew better, I just didn't take the time to make it happen. It's also hard when you're trying to get people to help you. You don't, you know, you want somebody you can trust that you get along with. It's, um, it's not, I'm not complaining. I'm thankful that I get this work. What I hate is somebody writing me and I don't respond and then I get a reputation for that. Um, I don't, uh, I hate that. And I, I used to hate how somebody would order something for me and it would, it could take, it could take weeks before it went out. I'm so glad that I've fixed that. That's huge. Yeah. Well, you and I have both experienced, and I think probably many other self-employed uh, artistic people in particular that you want you want every phone call, you want every every opportunity, you know, is a big opportunity, and you also want to be excited on a daily basis. But <laughs> because we don't work in a, in a situation where they say, okay, you have to cut eight of these gears out a day and send these gears to the next person down the line, sort of every day is a free-for-all just a little bit, that 
sometimes the timing of it all doesn't work out. Like more things will come in that need to be dealt with than you really can do. It's that you're it's not just that you're being lazy. I think those are the most frustrating times. When I'm being lazy, I'm frustrated at me. Uh, but I don't think I'm lazy very often. I, uh, but sometimes when there's just more stuff than I can get done, and it's not because I've procrastinated, <clears throat> that's when it seems a little tough. And you, uh, you might not correspond with someone as quickly as you should, and then it takes, <laughs> then you've got embarrassment to deal with, right? And so you wait just a bit longer to correspond with them, and maybe it gets worse. And that's bad business, and we all know that. But I know I've certainly been guilty of and that. Some, I think I'm in pretty good shape right now. There's though. some humor that goes along with that. Um, I've had two people contact me and say, hey, I sent an email to Dan. I haven't heard back from him for a long time. I contact you. We figure out they did contact you. You did indeed have a back and forth with them, and they forgot about it. <laughs> so that kind of stuff's fun, too. That know? stuff happens. It's going to happen. Yeah. But doesn't it seem just coincidentally sometimes that, boy, I want to be careful how I say this, that the people that are maybe high maintenance that you deal with, but they're not so high maintenance that you say, I can't deal with this person. You want to deal with them. Two or three of those pop up at the same time. <laughs> and... And that's a little frustrating. And maybe I have been guilty sometimes of not dealing with situations as timely in a, in a timely manner. Listen to us. <laughs> I know. Boy, what are we fussing about? Oh, my goodness. Hey, here's a crazy thing that's happening that kind of, as long as we're talking about technology, my son is coming to town tonight. And he's a, he's a super techie guy with a super techie, high security kind of job. I've been a Macintosh guy since the beginning. Now, now, back when the Macs first came, I had the original Ona Mac. And prior to that, you know, I had, I won't bore you with all the geeky stuff, but it goes way back. I had Macs and PCs, but I kind of bought into this Apple thing early on. And I've always had one, ever since there's been one. I always had one or two. But tonight, my son is coming to That's town. That's funny. You just said I've always had one, and then you corrected yourself, too, because you probably indeed have always had two. <laughs> That's probably the truth always. I mean, pretty much. So my son is coming to town. He has built me a PC that is going to run Windows to use for the Adobe Creative Suite, which runs on Mac or PC. Yeah, because the problem has been, like, I love, I started on Apple. I went to Windows. I came back to Mac. I really appreciate the difference. It's not night and day, but... The Mac, there's much less resistance for me. I really, there's a whole lot of things I appreciate. But, and they're, they tend to be high-end machines even when you buy one of the, low, the lower models. But when we go to render video, sometimes it'll say, you know, this is going to take two and a half hours or something. Well, we did a test with, uh, what were we using? Adobe Premiere, which is a video editing software against my laptop, which is a high-end MacBook Pro laptop. It's one, of the, it's one of the more expensive ones. It's about two and a half years old, almost three years old. But still, they haven't changed that much processing power. We did a test of it up against the machine that he built for himself, a gaming machine, and it was crazy. Things took three minutes 
to render on his gaming machine, and they took 40 minutes on my laptop. Yeah, and you might have 21 of those things that need to render. And then you decide there's something wrong with it needs to change. So it's been sort of a stumbling block. Now, Apple does make a computer designed for and that. And we it's want their, that. And we want it. Oh, it's a beautiful, but, beautiful thing. It looks like it should be fired out of a can, and it's gorgeous. So it's got like 16 cores. You, you, you're looking at 64 gig of RAM. It breathes when you walk up to it. It's just amazing stuff. But, but <laughs> it's good. Seven thousand to ten thousand dollars by the time you spec well, it out. If you really max it out, right? If you really max it out, my son is building me not something that's almost equivalent, but something that actually surpasses it in power. Yeah. So for sixteen hundred dollars. So I'm imagining that's a huge difference. I'm imagining you're going to be using a laptop, you know, Mac. Book Pro or something like it to take care of most of your business, but when it comes time to serious uh, graphic work, videos, images, maybe even magazine layout, you're going to try to do it oh, on absolutely. the PC. Uh, <laughs> Angie's been fussing at me for three years because when I'm down to the end, and I'm just about there right now, the summer issue of Dulcimer Players News goes to press next week. When I'm near the end of that project, I'm fussing and complaining constantly just because scrolling through is taking forever. It's just because it's a big project. So, yeah, that's going to be my workhorse machine. I'm still going to use, like what we're doing right now, recording this podcast, I'll still do that on the laptop because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even choke. Well, I am not a Windows hater, and um, I like Windows 8, you know, where whereas a bunch of the Windows people hated that. Uh, I know Windows well enough to know if you're mostly going to use it for video editing and magazine layout and Photoshop and that kind of stuff, if that's all you do on it, you, you, you'll basically be focusing on the applications. You won't have to worry about the operating system much. That's my hope. I think that's true. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think that I'll install anything else on it. I don't want to sit still at something to... For my writing assignments, you know, for writing, I tend to go out walking and dictate and then write it all and down. And you are later, not so. a gamer at all. Never. Not at all. I think you all. even hate it. It's, I kind of think it's one of the silliest things that people can do. Boy, I know I'm alienating yeah, people listen, right now. Yeah, but listen, you're going to have bit. some serious anti-aliasing capabilities. You're going to be able to run <laughs> shadows, mean if I, if water I, simulation. Does that mean if alias, if aliases attack me, I can use like anti-aliasing against them? These games, like people not using their real names. These games you will not be playing. Yes, look incredible. Right. <laughs> but as we get older, hopefully we play fewer and fewer games. Unless I guess, they, of course, you're into this, which I I really am fascinated with gaming. But I mostly do it with my kids now. That's about it. I actually kind of wish I could do it with my son because I mean he's thirty and he's into that stuff and I just I have no interest. Well, at see, all. you could do it with him, but I know you well enough to know you it wouldn't be a problem. You you do it once a month for an hour or a half hour, and maybe you know it's just like if you didn't like fishing and your son wants to go fishing, I could see you doing that. Well, I don't like PCs, and my son's building me a PC. <laughs> I mean, and I have to say, honestly, part of the fun is that this is something we get to do together, and That's he's had a good right. time order, ordering the parts and, and all it's going to render but, these videos that we're going to uh, be making for Dulcimer School. <laughs> yeah. But I feel, I have to say, <laughs> I feel a little strange today. Like, there's going to be a PC in my house. Yeah, like you're being naughty. And, 
It's like I'm changing religions or something. Right. And but so anybody who thinks I'm just a fanboy, there you go. I'm not. You're buying a rendering <laughs> tool. <laughs> yeah. Though though what's going to be cool is the monitor that I'm using for it is my Apple Thunderbolt monitor, so <laughs> when you look at it, you're still going to see an Apple logo on my monitor. Well, I experienced something techy that's very music-related, and it made me think of dulcimers earlier today. I wanted to get some kind of portable keyboard, uh, that, like a piano keyboard that would stay in my backpack, and there's a few of them out there that are exceptionally small, um, and I've I was my mom was getting a root canal yesterday, so I took her to the dentist and I I went to Guitar Center and I found this cool little device that uh, was on sale, very much on sale, and it's made by a company, uh, Keith McMillan. It's a oh, it's yeah. a really he's, neat he's company, great. and there's so many things to like about it. But I got to tell you, I think. For the most expressive musicians out there, and I'm going to make a little bit of a metaphor out of this, I guess. The very most expressive musicians out there that really want full and immediate command of volume, texture, pitch, this thing does not fit the bill for me as much as I respect the company and as much as the features look so good on the list. When, and my my thought was, that's the opposite of what I thought you yeah, were going to say. Funny, my thought was a whole lot of people that buy this probably are not full time musicians who try to operate with with um, with a full uh, dynamic palette. And it's really neat, you know. It's called the K board. And I already, I've already looked into this. And, but the interesting thing is I just suspect, it's really cool, but I, I suspect 99% of the people who buy this don't need it to be as exacting and as responsive as I need it to be. And that makes me sound a little arrogant, but um, I just think it's the truth. And so I thought about dulcimers. Like here's an interesting thing about mountain dulcimers. There's little things you can have a setup guy do to your instrument to make it just perfect, almost. Um, they'll they'll make they'll buff the frets on the side so as you run your finger down the top of the fingerboard, you don't feel anything. They will absolutely, as much as possible, lock in your intonation so you're playing in tune all over the fingerboard, especially up high. They will adjust the height of each string to your specifications using the exact string tension that you prefer. Like my bass string, since it moves around a little more, I had my setup guy make it be a little higher, you know, a little farther from the fingerboard so I don't get a buzz at the first fret. And a good setup guy, you know, easily there's 20 different things he can help you with. And the, my thought was most people playing a mountain dulcimer really probably don't need that and a lot of the builders and maybe none of them would do the exacting minute work that a setup guy would do so it seems like well why wouldn't the builders just do all that like i recently know somebody that bought an 1850 dollar dulcimer fine fine instrument set up fairly well i think most people would be very happy with it 
And then he turned around and he took it to a setup guy and paid him another 350 bucks to just make this thing near perfect. But most people don't need that. And so what's interesting is if you really want an instrument that's that nice, whether it's an electronic piano-type keyboard or a dulcimer, you're going to spend a lot of money and a lot of people aren't going to want to do that. And so those companies sometimes go out of business or those products fall off the product line because 99% of the people that are buying those tools don't need those features. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's really yep. bizarre. And so a builder would say, well, tell me what these things are. Um, and it's, it's not like you're a bad builder if you're not doing all this stuff. It's, it's gonna it's gonna add a couple hours. It, it it could add as many as two to three hours to your instruments, and and the truth sure. is, and, and I, this isn't demeaning, but like my mom, she doesn't care if her bass string buzzes a little bit now and then in a minute way. You know, she doesn't want a big one. Uh, if she plays up at the fourteenth fret and it's just barely sharp, she doesn't care. She's not going up there that often. Um. There's a whole lot of people that don't need the very, very best stuff. And therefore, I think there's not a big reason for people to put in the extra time and money to, to make those things available. Is, am I on the right track? Oh, I think so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, th I think I've mentioned it on this podcast that, or maybe I haven't. Sam Rosetta is making me a uh, carbon fiber instrument. Yeah. What is that? Does that mean it's made out of old burnt firewood ash or something? I think so. I think they just do that and they get some some resin and glue Are you it together. Serious? Something like that. No, not at okay. all. <clears throat> it's a it's a building technique that's been around for a while that really hasn't been accessible to to most people because it's quite dangerous. The the carbon fibers themselves are really really hard on humans. So, not everyone works in it. You can't just take it and cut it, you know, like you would wood. Like you would, would. Listen to that. And the instrument, of course, can't be all carbon fiber because the uh, it's not like a guitar where every inch of it can be carbon fiber except the strings because, well, the tuning gears, but the tuning machines on a guitar are still the same. They can go through a, a carbon fiber headstock. So on the hammer dulcimer, he has to do wooden pin blocks and it just makes more sense to use wood for the bridge also for some reasons that he hasn't fully explained to me. I mean, because he could have done carbon fiber. But uh, if you've ever heard the Rain Song guitars. So, yeah, let, let's... Well, why don't you... I want to stick to where are, you... But, I want to stick to where you were yeah, going but about the, perf yeah. the perfection thing. Well, go ahead. Well, you, you're interested in carbon fiber because it will probably... the With a wood instrument, as humidity and temperature changes, that instrument... All the different pieces are kind of fighting against each other, and this is one of the things that causes you to go out of tune, right? Yes, causes the instrument. So with carbon fiber, yes. that doesn't. Ha it's it's not breathing the way wood wood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did it too. Yeah, it's not affected by heat and humidity like it's wood not is. affected. So. It is affected, but nowhere near as much as wood. Yeah, it's almost. And like not. I've even it's known, almost not though. Like. I, I've heard this. I'm not a, a builder, but I've heard that if somebody just took really fresh wood and built an instrument out of it, it would fight itself a lot more than aged wood where, where it's all been in the same humidity environment for a long time or something. 
Yeah, that's right. One of the things that impressed me, the first time I went to uh, Dusty Strings, their shop, uh, was their the way they kept their wood, and they knew every piece of every soundboard that came in, how long they'd had it, where it came from, and then it was stored in a humidity-controlled cabinet, and they wrote on them, I mean, so they could check on them constantly. And, you know, and over time, they come up with tolerances. But if a builder builds an instrument that gets sent to Alaska where it's cold and there's hardly any humidity and then also at the same time builds one and it gets sent to somebody in Miami where it's hot and yeah, very somebody humid all in the Tucson time. builds something and sends it to North Carolina. Yeah, they're they're going to change. Those two instruments if they're exactly the same are not going to respond the same way in the, the two different places and the carbon fiber eliminates that. And and um, the reason this is I important is well it's tuning stability yeah but the carbon fiber thing is not something everybody wants and so you've never owned one you would have but you couldn't get your hands on one and if you had to pay somebody to do it especially it's not something they've been practiced at you know you just it's 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 definitely related here Oh, yeah. And, of course, Sam Rosetta, he's the designer for most of the instruments. He's the engineer, I guess I should say, for most of the instruments that Dusty Strings builds. Yeah, that's so, really cool. I didn't uh, know that until really, last week. Yeah, that, that is very cool. So, And I also, you know, at first, my opinion about it has changed, having heard, uh, like, Al Petaway do comparisons. And he does, have you ever seen where he does these, uh, he's a guitarist, by the way, where he'll do a blind, he'll, put sound uh, recordings of guitars up and ask people to choose which one, whether they're cheap ones or good ones. No, you no, know, I don't know about compare this. guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on his website. He's pre- it's very cool stuff. And his carbon fiber instrument <laughs> comes out on top or second from wow. top. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And then I saw David Wilcox, I don't know, Chattanooga maybe eight years ago or so, <clears throat> pull his instruments out of the trunk of a car that had been sitting outside, and I couldn't believe it, you know. I mean, it's what he's a guitarist, singer-songwriter. His guitar is his thing. Turns out it was carbon fiber, been in the trunk, hot, no problems. And then it started pouring rain, and he was playing at a place in Chattanooga that has an awfully nasty green room. It just smells like smoke and beer, and it's no fun. And he went outside to stand under an, under an awning to warm up for the show, and it was pouring rain with his guitar. <laughs> his carbon fiber guitar. Yeah, and you can you could never do that with your with your mountain dulcimer because it'd just be a nightmare. Even a mountain dulcimer trying to keep it in tune. Well, that's neat. You talk about him playing all types of guitars. Every I guess cheap to expensive. Uh, there's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. People say, you know, a good musician can make anything sound great. But I've, I've I have an addendum to that. Um, a good musician is going to have to work a whole lot harder and is going to experience yeah. a whole lot of stress with a poor instrument. And they might be able to impress you over a three-minute period, but they're not going to be able to have a sustained use of that. And I think of it this way. I grew up mowing yard, my yard, <laughs> you know. I feel like I'm a pretty good yard mower. And I, if you asked me to mow this yard with fingernail clippers, I could do it, you know. But I'd much rather... It'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, if you I, if if I really worked hard enough, I could make it perfect. But please, I don't want to have to do that every week. Right. Well, anyway, back to back to kind of tying this into what you were talking about. 
I'm excited about getting this instrument done. I know he's one of the best builders, and he's doing all of this, and he's paying attention to detail. It's not cheap. It's the most expensive expensive instrument I've ever purchased. But it's exciting for me to sit here and think that right now uh, he's in his shop building carbon fiber dampers, the first ones that have ever been done. <laughs> to go on this and, instrument. That's just and keeping the weight down, and it's going to be big like my D650s. I'll still play Dusty Strings' big instruments, but this is going to You know, while handy. he's tooled up to do all this, you really ought to get him to make two more of these instruments. Or, or even just the damper um, uh, pieces. I mean, the funny thing about yeah, getting think, somebody yeah. to do something highly specialized is if any of that breaks or whatever, you're, you're out of luck. A little bit. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You got to be careful with that. That's one of the reasons I played the instrument I did when I did the Yanni stuff is because we had we had two of them, and I knew if both of those were run through by a forklift, I could get another one that would sound consistent. You know, and that's a day valuable. Or so. And so sometimes you take an instrument like my buddy did, uh, and after you bought this expensive instrument, you go ahead and put three hundred fifty bucks in it. It's almost, it almost works out that way. If I tried to find a builder right now and I said, I want you to build me the perfect instrument, you know, that's just a, I don't want, I don't want to do that to them or me. It's, it's better to sometimes just find something that's pretty good out there and then put the money into it to make it a whole lot better as opposed to looking for the, the perfect thing. But I think that, I think what you're doing with the carbon fiber is important for dulcimer, really. Yeah, well, it's important for me. I'm getting older, and the thing I there, there's two things I don't like about the big big D650 that I play, and one of them is the weight. The other one's a tonal issue, and Sam's trying to address both of these things <clears throat> with this. So I think that's exciting. And there's also just because it sounds like I might be slamming dusty strings a little bit, and I'm not. There they have some exciting stuff coming this fall where they've got some modifications to the D650 to help bring it in line with some of the changes. Yeah, you're not slamming here, them. I mean, I'm, anybody we love in our life that we really know well, we like I'm sure you could say, I really love my son, but, or I really love you, Steve, but. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's That doesn't true. mean uh, we're enemies. It really, what it means is you've gotten to know the instrument so well. It, it's, um, it's not complaining at all. You have to know what you're working with. So you can, but you know what, Steve? If I'm if I was a builder, <laughs> I'd be, and I know this happens to these guys. There's people contacting them and saying, "Hey, I'm paraphrasing in a very negative way, by the way. Hey, I'm a really big deal. You ought to give me an instrument because I'll make you some money." Right. And we don't want to be that ever. Be that. Yeah, and I think the longer you've been around, the more you realize that a lot of people are like that, and maybe you were like that a little bit at one time, or maybe not. But you also, it's, you don't even want to be that. You, the reason you want a relationship with a builder is because you like them, you like their instruments, and they like you. Yeah, and what I've been telling people lately, like I have builders come to me, and I tell them uh, I, I don't want a free instrument. I mean, of course I do, <laughs> a certain way. But I've found that it's uh, it's it's you're gonna have a lot better relationships if you borrow an instrument from them for a time and then get it back to them, and maybe they make another one. You borrow that, you get it back to them. Maybe by the time you like Butch Ross says, you know, they might end up making him five of them before they find something that's nice and that really fits him. Um, 
I'm more interested in having a tool. I don't really need to own the tool. And I'm interested in helping somebody, uh, you know, be a better builder. That's, that's, this is such a hard topic for me because I am not a builder. And even though I know a lot more about building and setup than, than the typical dulcimer player, I'm still wrong about some things. And so you get into a relationship with a builder where they're right and wrong about some things, I'm right and wrong about some things. Uh, it's it's almost too complicated to figure all that out. I almost think it's better to find an instrument that's pretty much ninety eight percent of the way the way there, and you and you you tweak mm-hmm. it and you roll with it. Yeah, well, you're right about what you like, and they're right. I would think they would certainly be wrong if they thought we can make an instrument that everyone. They're going like to be right about the buildings box. way that's more than possible. I am. I get that. Like I recently had a builder, I told him that I like to play with a higher action than a lot of folks. And this guy's, a, a, I think he was an aerospace engineer. He measures the string height of mine and he says, hey, yours is slightly lower than a lot of the folks here, but you're using higher tension strings, which may give you the impression that yours are higher. And I said, no way. Because I've been saying right? for 10 or 15 years that I... Well, was he right? I, I haven't scientifically confirmed this, but I totally trust this guy, and I believe he was right. But, but he could be wrong. But I think he's, I think he's probably right. You know, he had a micrometer there; he was measuring it right there in front of me. That's some kind of uh, <laughs> instant tool fallacy. There could be other. Well, he had tools. There could be other factors involved. I don't know, but. No, no, he might be right. I guess I was sort of laughing because I, I, an example where this happened to me, I remember years back, I was really snobby about uh, phosphor bronze wire yeah. as opposed to brass So you wire. had to have the phosphor, you mean? Yeah, no, I was not going to use brass. It didn't sound as good as the phosphor bronze. And I was at James Jones' studio, and he goes, turn around. <laughs> He had rigged up oh, a thing where he funny. had one phosphor bronze and one brass. I couldn't tell the difference. Couldn't they tell the difference at new. all. Both well, I can new, hear yeah. it on a guitar and on my dulcimer. The difference? Yeah. Which do you prefer? I'll tell you the truth for me. Phosphor bronze sounds a little bit too bright when it's brand new. And as it gets older, my perception, my, you know, what I believe, which could be wrong, is that... <laughs> it starts to darken over time and then it's pretty good. Um, when I get the regular wrap, uh, there's not as big a difference from a new string to an older one, even though there is a difference. And I just feel like I, I, I like to have a more, more of a consistent sound from, from new strings to older strings. Is uh, unwrapped, I, I don't mess with this stuff as much, and, and this wouldn't matter on a hammer dulcimer at all, but like the Elixir strings and those companies that started 10, 15 years ago doing the poly-wrapped wire, right. is that a big deal on mountain dulcimer, or does everybody do that There's now? a whole lot, whole lot of people that like what they'll call squeakless strings or whatever. The There are some out there that I believe... The core string is wrapped in such a way, like on the bass string, so that you have fewer ridges, maybe. And then there's what you're talking about, where there's a coating to the string. Um, I, I have a whole lot of people ask me if I'm using those. I, I never have. When I put Elixir on a guitar that I was really familiar with, 
it sounded a little dull to me. It's not like it was the end of the world, but it sounded a little dull. And then I found out if you're going to use those Elixir strings and you play a lot, you're going to have to change your strings a lot more often because whatever it's coated with, it just kind of, you shred it, you know, as, as compared to normal strings, which if I don't change it for six months, even though I, I realize that's very bad in a number of ways, I can kind of get away with it. You can't get away with that with the Elixir. And the Elixir, at least when I was looking into them, they were expensive and you couldn't get single strings. So you'd have to go out and buy a guitar set or something. Oh, and then there, mm -hmm. there are some people who... There's some vendors who have, have you know, gotten a deal with the company. But if I'm on the road in a little town, they're not going to have the elixirs I need for the price I want. You know, I, I just stick with the Adario regular. They just try to stick with the regular stuff, you know. What about you? There's nobody using coated strings on a hammer dulcimer, right? No, nah, they're just <clears throat> coated with love. That's all <laughs> Whatever, we put on. dude. <laughs> hey, we have gone really geeky we on have? this one. Yeah, I think so. And I need to wrap it up. All right. My son's coming into town. And I've got to I've got to change religions. <laughs> so, I want to uh I want to wish you the best with this PC. If if you get in a bind, I don't care what time of day it is, you call me. I'll be there for you. Okay. I I told my son, I said, "Are you sure?" Because this is that thing where you're doing a computer for a parent and they're going to call with like, what do you mean cursor? <laughs> Questions like that. So hopefully I'm not that, that dad. Hey, we'll listen, see. do us all a favor. Um, control Z is undo. And um, know the difference between oh, a right used and a left yeah. click. And I think we'll be okay. So could the command, that's really all I have to learn, right? Is the command and the alt key, Right. On the Mac, it's like Command C is copy. On a Windows machine, it's Alt All right, or here's, Control. Which here's is some it? of the best advice I've given you in a long time. All you need to get online and Google. Look for an article that's for people who are Mac, who are Windows and they're going to Mac. There's a bunch of them out there, and they'll say something like the twelve things you need to know if you're going from Windows to Mac. You just need to read that article backwards. <laughs> okay, I'll try that. Is that a thing that you have to be able to do if you're a PC user? <laughs> Is it read things backwards? Hey. Yeah, you, yeah, uh, you gotta. Wow. You, what have I done? I, I'm trying to end on some kind of noble, kind of like Dan Landrum. You are a geek. Embrace it. You will survive. You will persist. You will rage against the dying of the light, and you will prosper <laughs> i'm inspired and frightened at those words but thanks and i'll see you Ladies next time dude.